that was not what I wanted to talk about. Your, uh, New York. Your vocal exercises. Um, all right. Well, I'll intro the show first. So I have a clean intro, aside from your vocal exercises. This is Mental Platypus. I'm Jared. I'm Jason. You can uh, follow us on social media. Twitter, basically, is all I do at mental underscore platypus. And you can, uh, if you'd like to, you can follow the link in the show notes to our Patreon, where you could support us for five bucks a month and get two extra bonus podcasts. And you can follow Jason over here, Jason E. Kyle, on Instagram and Twitter. Actually, I'm on a social media break, so if you <laughs> if you search for that. So you you can well you have more recent archives than I do as far. No, as, I, uh, I I deleted both accounts. Are you serious? Just for temporarily, I gotta get back on them. Good for you. Well, I have to keep Facebook because of my day job. But but what prompted, if I might ask, what prompted this most recent break? (laughs) Uh, Just no big. Just feel like it's a time suck. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, and I don't need the validation. Good for you. Yeah. I need the validation that comes with social media. Um, but, um, so it's probably just temporary. Um, and cause they still have shit to plug. Um, mm-hmm. like, you know, the event section of Phoenix magazine, my weekly concert blog, uh, my mm-hmm. articles and things that I write on the side at jasonkyle.com. Well, I mean, cause if you don't plug them, who is going to plug them? Not you. Honestly. Well, uh, not Phoenix magazine. See, Phoenix Magazine should. Um, I'm just not on there that often. When I do see you post about something, in my defense, the uh, description of the Mental Platypus account does say mostly just retweeting Jason Kyle. That's true. <laughs> and I certainly haven't plugged, uh, I certainly haven't done a good job of plugging uh, my other podcast, which is called The Life of the Mind. And this is what I want to talk about the podcast in the room. <laughs> the Life of the Mind. A podcast about the Coen Brothers. That's right. It's hosted with friend of the friend of the show, Chris, Chris Ayers, Ayers and um, Barbara Vandenberg, USA Today book critic. Yeah, um, and and it's w- good. An array of guest stars. What, what, dude? What? It's good. Wow. Which is why I want to. I feel left out. <laughs> You'll get on there. I'm. Um, I'm like. I want to talk about the Coen Brothers. I, I have years of podcasting experience. I am friends with, with well, I mean, closer friends with you and, and, and Chris, but, you know, um, at least acquaintances with Barbara. Yeah, yeah. What what the fuck? Dude, we got, we're planning shows, so. Whatever, man. All I'm saying is, when I'm hearing Chris talking about Wilco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hearing yeah. you guys talk about the apartment. You know, it's... Um, you want to be part of the show. You want to be I, part of the... I, I, I want to be part of the conversation. Anyway, well, it's it's really... My my jealousy is is um, just, you know, I want to be included. But um, honestly, it's it's a good podcast and I'm enjoying it. Thank I've you. To, I have, well, like, technically three episodes so far, right? Because you had yeah. the kind of pre-episode. We're just getting... Um, I'm preparing, getting everything prepared for our Miller's Crossing episode. Um, which 
One of my favorites, to be honest, I think one of the most underrated. Well, I mean, I think people talk about it a lot and there are famous shots from it that people certainly talk about. Um, but I don't think it's it's discussed heavily enough in the Coen Brothers oeuvre. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I think there's a reason for that. And to well, which I, I will not uh, not explain why. Because you, you, you got to save it for the I got to save it save for, for the, the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, um, you know... Yeah, right. Yeah. Like no, and subscribe. And it, also, and it also means that we can't do a run on the Coen brothers on this show. No, no, we can't. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, but um, I, I appreciate your, I, I assume what is your honest opinion. It means a lot. And we yeah, will. No, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's. Uh, and we will get you on the show. We have you ah, on our. It's, no, no, sir. We have, a, we have. This ha this was not my selfish ploy to try to no no we have a show. we have a list of people who we love to have on the show all right and you are on that list sir I'll, I mean you know I mean if it if it if it sweetens the pot at all I I do have the equipment to get you guys a good sounding file oh I know that's <laughs> oh you are on our list of, of people there's there's uh, Car Burwell and uh, oh. I'm up there with Carter, eh? You're up there with Carter. You're up there with Carter and, and you know, Joel Neiden, of course, mm -hmm. and, and Holly Hunter and... and uh, well, I mean, of, of course, you know, I, I knew f from Joel and Ethan because us Jews, we have a secret underground conversation. Yeah, do you, do you have a... <laughs> do you have an in? I am, of, I am, of course, kidding. I, You know what? I was listening to um, to talk about another podcast that I love and wish I was a contributor on, uh, Blank Check. I was uh, yeah, listening yeah. to them discuss... They live with <laughs> uh, with the Doughboys, mm. and uh, they um, what was, oh they were talking about uh, how some people have have reclaimed they live as a as an anti Semitic um, like flag of you know the aliens are, the, are 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 a metaphor for the Jews. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, you know, Carpenter's got to be pissed about that. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's it's you know, it was certainly not his intent, but <laughs> I mean, he's already got to be pissed that apparently this new these new movies. So, Cinematic Blind Spot is the original Halloween. I I will be honest. I've I've never seen no. a Halloween. I am not the biggest horror fan. I've I've you know what I've I've only actually recently dipped my toe in the the kind of horror realm um and I, I guess you know it kind of went in there eh, it started kind of years ago i guess which i saw the the remake of dawn of the dead yeah um which you know fast zombies it was it was fine it's I, actually I got it. it's actually a really good remake yeah it's really slick um and i had of course seen the the raimi um evil deads and mm -hmm. army of darkness and i just recently rewatched them um, have you watched the new Evil Dead? I or haven't. The -ish? See, that's that's where I kind of when it gets when, you know, they're much more modern and much more frightening. I'm kind of out. Um, I, I prefer the camp. I prefer the practical gore. I prefer the obviously this is like cartoonish level kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I got you. Uh, there's some cartoonish violence in the new Evil Dead. Okay, it's sort of like. A very delicate balance. Um, I just and I just I, we were, actually we were talking last night when we after we watched the movie. How I want to watch a horror movie before Halloween ends, and mm. um, 
Not Halloween ends, by the way. But do I mean to be clear? I don't want to watch Halloween ends. I want to see a horror movie before the season ends. Right. Sure. As what everybody's now the trend is spooky season, right? Yeah, and um, I and Kristen reminded me that yeah, there's that there's that movie that uh, about the Airbnb uh, Barbarian. Oh yeah, yeah, that's supposed to be really good. Yeah, and it's, it's coming to streaming Tuesday. Oh, there you so go. So I'm gonna, so like I can save my money and I get scared with a bunch of people in a movie theater and. Um, what was the other thing you wanted to bring up? Other oh, than- well, so I, I felt like I, as I was kind of, you know, doing my very base level, not, you know, the life of the mind level research for the last duel, um, I stumbled on the, you know, we didn't go over in, um, oh, crap, our discussion on, can you ever forgive me, uh, about how Hall of Center was actually nominated for that script. Yeah. Oscar wise. We kind of missed that. I felt, you know. Well, that's I, a perfect lead-in mm-hmm. because I think that's what got the attention of Ben Affleck. Oh, really? To to bring her on board for... Um, because I know I, I, I listened to both the Matt Damon and the Hall of Center episodes of, of uh, WTF. Um, Matt Damon. Did I, I say I'm Ben gonna, Affleck? No. I, I meant Matt Damon. Well... I thought uh, I said Matt Damon. I No, I... Have you seen ever seen Teen America, World Police... Uh, yeah, long time ago. So there's a running joke that Matt Damon is not the smartest tool in the shed. Oh, sure. So whenever his name is mentioned, someone just goes, Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. that's that was that was what I was doing. I apologize. You should oh, have been on yeah. the joke. No, that's fine. It's Whatever. It's something I do have like reflex now because no. that movie is... Because it's burned into your brain or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I that's the one with the uh, that's like Thunderbird style puppets, right? Yep, okay. with uh, um, Trey Parker. It's, it's, and... Yeah, I was gonna say it's the South Park guys. Um, but yeah, I I, just, I thought that that was important to go back and, and talk about it. like that. That was actually um, it, it. It received, I believe, several awards as well. That script, but it was interesting to me again that she had written that and then planned the entire film out. And then walked away from the project, but she still got at least she didn't win. I think she lost to 2018, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, she loses to Black Klansman, which I mean, that's not a. I still really enjoy that film. That movie is great. Yeah, <laughs> but she's also, I mean, if you're gonna lose to a movie, you lose to the movie that has Am Driver in it. Mm, fair enough. See, yeah, well, tying it back to to the last duel. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, it. This is an interesting. I because I didn't see that the Ballad of Buster Scruggs ever got a theatrical release. It had to have. It, it must have gotten some play in L.A. and New York or something because the Coen Brothers got nominated for that that screenplay that that best adapted screenplay award yeah. for 2018 was Black Klansman, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Can you ever forgive me? If Beale Street Could Talk and A Star Is Born, mm-hmm. those are the nominees. And Black Klansman walked away with it. Um, well, I also like. I'll be interested to hear your guys' take on Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, I'll have to find a new way to watch it because I, uh, I uh, as I've discussed, I got rid of my Netflix subscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got, got rid, rid of, of my, H- my HBO as well. So did you watch this on I, Hulu? Or? I know I watched it on HBO only because I still have it for about another 
seven days. Gotcha. Did you watch this on Hulu? I watched it on Hulu. Okay. So unfortunately, I had a few breaks in there. Um, oh, do they do commercials when they play movies on Hulu? They do. I, 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 it doesn't seem like they always do it. So, yeah. I mean, they'll, I'll be watching a film and they'll have commercials at the beginning and then at the end, but they usually don't interrupt the film. Um, and so it's kind of interesting. I, I wonder if it depends on, you know, what the studio is or how, you know, what, how old the film is or something yeah. like that. Because it, it if it's a Fox joint, Disney owns it and Disney owns Hulu, so. Right. But, uh. Yeah, so I'm I'm surprised uh, that they had it, and it honestly, we'll get into it. But all right, that's all. I just wanted to kind of round back and wrap up something that we that we missed in. And can you ever forgive me? So, but now we are talking. It's our last entry. It is in last the last Center. episode was the penultimate Hall of Center entry, and this is the ultimate uh, Hall of Center entry. Yes, it's. It's the last entry called The Last Duel. Yes. Uh, I mean, we'll get into I, I, I want to give, you know, I want to give the, some background up, up front. But I, I do also, you know, if, if we can kind of between the two of us remember, by the time we get to the end of the discussion on this, I want to talk about how kind of wild the turn in her career is. Because her last two films, at least the last two that she was in, involved with in the, in a, you know, in a screenwriting sense, um, just so wildly different from the entire rest of her career. It's true. It's like, and I, I thought about that. I'm like, oh, how did she go from writing breezy? Well, I don't know. About, I don't know. I don't breezy, know breezy is the right word. Cringy, hilarious and heartfelt comedies. Slice of life stuff. Yeah. To, you know, medieval epics i i would i will get into it but i would argue that she brings that to her contribution to the last duel oh definitely especially in the third section yes well and i i I would say that she actually brings that to uh to the the certainly to the dialogue in uh in can you ever forgive me oh yeah i mean so it's it's her her voice definitely comes through, but mm-hmm. they are they're, they're, it's it's kind of wild how different they are from the rest of her. Yeah, her. I think I mentioned last time we spoke, oh, I, the last episode we did, mm-hmm. that those conversations because we do occasionally speak in between. Yeah, we do, but I think I mentioned in our in the last HCU entry. That, mm-hmm. Can you forget me that that dialogue between McCarthy and Grant? Yeah, their characters. That's. That's Hall of Center. Oh, That's yeah, to the bone. pure Hall of yeah. Center. Yeah, Hall of Center to the bone. Yeah. <laughs> Which is something that I want on a t-shirt now. Yeah. Hall of Center to the bone. I just want that across my chest. <laughs> you know, they make... Um, I think there's this website for movie fans called Super Yaki. Mm-hmm. And they do like t-shirts like written directed by oh. like somebody. Sure. Um, and... You could get you could be the one that creates that t-shirt written directed by Nicole Hofstadter. Yeah, I'd, I'd wear it proudly. Yeah, <laughs> and so I'm like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. Like, like, well, let me tell you. Also, we have X number of episodes um, in, in exploring her career. Are you a listener of Mental Podcast of Mental Platypus? Yeah, here's my card. There we go. I would <laughs> also need to have something. Yes, to hand out at the time. Well, if you're really interested, sir, here you are, or madam, or 
however you identify yourself. Yeah. Scan the QR code. Yeah, I don't know. That's getting pretty industrious and organized. I don't know mm-hmm. if I have that in me. All right, the last duel released almost exactly a year ago. It was released October fifteenth, twenty twenty one. Yep. Um, it opened at number five to four point eight million dollars. <sighs> what was number one? Well, I'm about to go over that. I I'm, see. I'm trying to do flow. Uh, so the box office, the top five, other than the last duel, was Halloween Kills. Was number one. No Time to Die was number two. Oh, yeah. Having been number one the week before. Already, I think at that point, having made some like $60 million or something. Um, and of course, this is still, people are still hesitant to go back to the theater. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Uh, number three was Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Oh, God. Which I think at that point was on its way. Yeah, do I still have this up? I think I still have this up. It made like... like a oh, no, out. I'm sorry. No Time to Die had already almost in its... And this was just in its second week had almost hit the $100 million mark. Yeah. Um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage was uh, at about $170 million. That sounds about right. It was just... It's shocking to me for how... Would you say it was ripping it up at the box office? I would say it was. It was. Yeah. Rip, yeah. Yes, I would. <laughs> well done, sir. Uh, interesting. I still have not seen either Venom film. I, and I really don't have much interest in, other than perhaps wanting to watch a train wreck. But <laughs> it's incredible to me for how universally panned those films are, how well they did. There's... <laughs> I know we've talked about this Is it just the before. Tom Hardy effect? Is it the it's is not it the, the Tom Hardy is it the, effect? Is it the appeal of just, you know, straight up trashy films? I think it's the straight up trashiness and I think it's especially in the second movie they play up that there is a not only is the relationship between Venom and Eddie Brock in this movie um symbiotic, mm-hmm. but also they play up the romantic aspect of it. The homoeroticism. The homoeroticism between the two. Sure. And, and that is a lot of fun for people. And it is kind well, of a know. fun... It is an interesting aspect of the movie. If only it wasn't... To be fair, I am you know, making passes at myself all the time. It's true. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, <laughs> hey, handsome. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like, hey, we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, we are, because it's another lonely Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, ah, uh, boy, maybe I'm cutting that out. Uh, <sighs> or maybe not. The Adams Family 2, that is number four. Now, when in your first week you are beaten by The Adams Family 2, which is far worse than Adams Family 1, just as someone it, it, who. It, it might be time to, 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 you know, throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, and of course, you know, you listen to, to, uh, why am I, Scott, um, I, I'm, all I'm thinking of is, is, is his brother now, Tony Scott, for some reason, Ridley yeah. Scott, Ridley Scott. If, if, you know, you listen to his WTF interview, he's of course just old man yelling at cloud, blaming it on the, the youth and their cell phones and whatnot. Um, which I think that, you know, you look at current run at the box office, and of course, Maverick, which was the continuation of his brother's film. <laughs> yeah, I would. Um, um, 
I would argue that the kids and their cell phones have nothing to do with this. No, this I, I think it's so the, many the, hurdles to cross. There's there's a lot. First of all, it's a period piece. Second, it is over two and a half hours long. Yep. And you know, third, you've Ben Affleck has that hairstyle. That didn't bother me so much. That was <laughs> if, if there's anyone who has apologizing to do for their hair. It's Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon looks very crow magnon like Yes. Like that whole movie, like like going, how did he get so fucking ugly? <laughs> well, I mean, you know. It, it's it, it's interesting. I think we we will obviously we'll get into it. But um, I actually heard that like his like he had an allergic reaction to all the beards that they tried to put him on. Oh really? Because put on him. Put on him. <laughs> They're like, get on this beard. He's like, because, no. Because <laughs> A, he could not grow one. Huh. So because Matt Damon has yet to his growth spurt. <laughs> well, hey, as somebody, I, I can sympathize. As somebody who has had patchy facial hair his entire life and only, you know, looks passably manly if they're if they're shorn down to stubble, uh, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would argue that you're all man, but... Well, I mean, I'm Rachel not. Hair aside. I'm not going to argue against that. Anyway, not don't ladies. Are you that. are you listening, ladies? Oh boy. Anyway, all man, right here on the other side, you're sitting here across from me. It's it's very nice of you to read the cue card I'm holding up. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back, I want to talk about some more things that are interesting here. I think, of course, we know it's directed by Ridley Scott, who has a a, a long. A long and checkered film history, responsible for some of the greatest films of all time. Yep. And responsible for some of the biggest, huh, moments of all time. The Counselor. <laughs> immediately comes to mind. But, you know, uh, this is the man that gave us uh, Alien. He's the man who gave us uh, Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. You gave know? us Louise. Yeah. Gave us The Counselor. But I would still argue, you gave know. Give us The Martian. Of of people of his ilk, you know, mm-hmm. people who reach the status that he does, I I still he rides that line where he veers more to more to the commercial side than he does to the auteur side. There is some, I don't know. There are some times where he's art ish well, I would say this would be one of them. Yeah, but I, I his if you look at the the entire path of his you know the, the entire run of his career he he very much does walk that line mm-hmm. and of of those those people who who you know he's obviously a much better filmmaker than say a michael bay or or um i don't know there wouldn't be a i michael would say bay he's a better really filmmaker Scott. than than his his brother may he rest in peace yes but um you know that there's much more artfulness to to the to his films for I'll, I'll give you this um for as much as we talk about the crazy decision to give Matt and Ben their hairstyles Tony um have you ever seen the hunger is that the is that the um David Bowie vampire film? Yeah. 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 Wait, There's Catherine a lot. Deneuve? Catherine Deneuve yeah. and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Yeah. That movie is straight up wackadoo. Mm-hmm. Like, from, like, not, you know, A setting aside, like, 
and a lot of Tony Scott films, like even Domino, mm-hmm. you're, like which is never no one ever has seen it. They're just straight up batshit crazy. Sure, like it's like Tony Scott's later run is mm. is. I mean, I would argue that that Ridley Scott has more consistent output than than. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like Ridley's always like. I don't know, like he's really's always been like the artistic guy. Yeah. And Tony is like pulpy. I don't I'm I'm a, I'm reluctant to use the word trashy because of the negative connotations of what trash is, but I mean it's like it's it's more this it's it's more it's more the straight up meat and potatoes action film kind of thing. Yeah, but for the I most mean, part. But like the hunger is like pretty much, you know, it's almost straight up a like a porn movie mm-hmm. to to degree. Cause but that's kind of an outlier in his career. No, right? yeah, I mean, there's he's done some other like sexy thrillers and stuff. But I mean, like that's his thing is like he he always has done like these pulpy, you know, pulpy movies mm-hmm. and. I mean, with the exception of like maybe your Top Gun and your Enemy of the State, sure. Like it's, like it's just these, um, yeah. And maybe man, yeah, fire. Like if 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 someone's giving him a hundred million dollars, he kind of like pulls back a little bit. But if you just give him a little like less than that, like maybe well, thirty or okay. forty. Well, okay. So I've I pulled up Tony Scott's uh, filmography here. You've got his his debut is The Hunger. Yeah. Which is why I would kind of call it an outlier. The fact that his second film is Top Gun is pretty batshit yeah. in and of itself. How he goes, through, how he makes that leap is From, amazing to right. me. Uh, and that there's, you know, there's three years in between as well. So. I assume he's directed some commercials that's gotten the attention of Pro- probably Don and Jerry. Sure. The the you know the Brook the Bruckheimers the Heimers if you will the Heimer and the Simpsons. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, yeah. Revenge, which I've never heard of. Oh, that's Kevin Costner and Malin Stowe. And okay. How have I missed that then? Because Malin Madeline Stowe. Stowe. Oh, Madeline Stowe, though. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's, not, let's not go down that route. Uh, and Days of Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Revenge and Days of Thunder are the same year, and Days of Thunder is obviously the one that gets more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen Days of Thunder? No, long ass time. It, I, I'd be interested in revisiting that movie. I, I, I think that that. Um, I remember kind of digging that movie. It's it's the it's the Tom Cruise race car film. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's Top Gun with NASCAR. Right, right. But it's also, um, you know, you've got your your um, Michael Rooker in it, who's <laughs> always always a treat. Right. I, I mean, when is and Michael Duval's Rooker back? Right? Yeah, Duvall's in it. Carrie always is in it. And of course, uh, Nicole Kidman is in it. It's how they met. Right. Um, I, I mean, that's, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember that being a pretty hot film. We'll have to watch it. Uh, Last Boy Scout. Oh, yeah. Oh, was yeah. It Damon Wayne's Bruce Willis. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I don't know if good applies to it necessarily. <laughs> True Romance, of course. Oh yeah. Okay, so that's that, wackadoo. That 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 fears more to the other. That's the that pulp. brings some kind of yeah, right. It's pure pulp. Yes. Written um, by the written by the man who brought us Pulp Fiction. Indeed. 
Yeah. And doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't Tarantino have a lot of hate for that film? He's not terrible with it. Yeah. Crimson Tide. Oh, that's that the movie. Gene Hackman, uh, Denzel Washington. Oh my! Ha- have you seen that movie lately? No, again, not in a long time. Oh my! It's a submarine thriller. Right? Yeah, I want to watch that movie again. That movie, if I remember, it's been it's been probably twenty years since I watched that movie. Mm-hmm. God fucking slaps. Really? Oh yeah. Hmm. So then this this is his run, which which I think until the end has um, definitely got some questionable business to it. Um, you've got the fan. Oh God! Which is, from what I recall, not a great film. No, it's it's a Robert De Niro and uh, uh, Wesley Snipes, right? Well, yep. Uh, not good at all. Enemy of the State. That's good. Is it though? It is. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I I I remember watching. You could it say a it, long time ago. It's predicted pretty much the next twenty five years. Hmm. So it's ahead of its time. It's. I I'm always down for revisiting something with Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Which is again, you know, besides the Denzel of it all, the the reason for going back. Let's to just go to San. Let's just go to Santa Fe. <laughs> Ride our bikes. And find Gene. Find Gene. Uh, he could probably still take both of us. I'm just saying. I'm okay. <laughs> All we have to say is, you know, love you in the conversation. I would be like, hey, have you heard that Robin Hitchcock song about you? <laughs> to which you reply, get the fuck out of my, get the fuck out of the road. <laughs> All right, Spy Game. That's a good one. Is it? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. That's 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 uh, that's Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. Brad, Brad. Okay. Funny how I can even recall the stars of the ones that I haven't seen, just because I can in my mind picture mm. the movie poster. Again, like twenty years, I haven't seen it in twenty years, but I do recall enjoying that movie. Man on Fire. We've got mm. Denzel back. You don't want to see it. Domino, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's why I could do. Deja Vu, which I have not heard. Oh, another Denzel. Denzel. Okay. I've not seen that movie either. And we go into Denzel again, this time with Travolta for the remake of Taking of Pelham 123. Surprisingly decent. Really? Yeah. How? Okay. All right. I, I, I guess I'd be willing to give it a shot for comparison, but that original taking with, I mean, how do you, how, seriously, how do you top I've Robert never, Shaw and um, Walter Matthau? Um, as I've never seen that version. Oh, dude. That's I, I that's mean, a blind spot for you. You should you need to see the hell out of that film. We could we have a, a list as long as my arms and legs about all the blind spots that I have. Like that's, I'm trying to think. That's of what this Coen Brothers podcast mm-hmm. has been doing. Has been exposing like all the blind spots to people who obviously like I want to impress. It's it, it, yeah. So the original. I had, to, I had to admit to the guy who plays Denny. Yeah. In the room. That you hadn't seen the room. That I hadn't seen the I was, room. I was shocked by that, to be honest. Because I, I, I saw it at the one of those film bar screenings. Um, I, don't, I don't think it was one that he, that he participated in, but I, I, that's, mm-hmm. I, I saw it at one of those screenings. It's a, hard, like, it's a hard film to find unless you go to one of those screenings. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It's like I have, I've seen The Disaster Artist. I've interviewed Greg Sestero, who's mm-hmm. like... Um, like the coast is co-star, right? 
and then I have to admit, and again, like again, I have to admit to Denny, mm-hmm. the guy. To, yeah, that I've never seen his movie. Yeah, yeah, I did went to Philip, but I never saw the movie. Um, and of course, I like didn't hit me until like I watched the disaster that Philip was who who he is, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh shit! I <laughs> I haven't seen the disaster artist. Um, I've heard that that was good though. It's good. It was good before um, James Franco was accused for all the shitty things he do, he did. Yeah, I don't know you, how you it can just look now. at James Franco and 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 uh, you know know that he's a walking dirtbag. I mean, yeah. I would even argue in his as far back as his Freaks and Geeks days, which I, I, is an unimpeachable show. Yeah, uh, and an unimpeachably great show, I should say. Uh, that that there's there's a guy who's kind of a dirtbag. Yeah. Well, we should dial it back. Okay, but we, I was just gone, first, okay. Yeah. So he produces but doesn't direct the A Team, and um, and then his last film is Unstoppable. Oh, that's a which good is one. another Denzel uh, and Chris Pine. I I have not I have not seen I've seen much more Ridley than I have Tony. I'm surprised. I probably have seen. I've seen both pretty equally, but I'm surprised how much Tony I've seen. But. Like, um, when he wants to get crazy, he gets crazy. So Ridley, yeah, Ridley, we've got. You know, it's it's almost. I he just he's got so so very much. So I have some blind spots in here too, though. So Ridley, and the you know he he's doing apparently he's doing Napoleon for Apple TV Plus. Yep, interesting. I think Driver's playing. I don't know who's playing Napoleon, but he got somebody really good. I I think he's just one of those guys that people you know they want to say they worked with Ridley Scott at some point. I you know I think that that Ridley's got the better career. Yeah. Um. So you've got he's his first film is The Duelists, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Alien, seen of yeah. course, classic. Blade Runner, classic. Legend, classic. Never seen it. Never seen Legend. Nope. Really? Yeah, that's my Tom Cruise blind spot. Right okay. There. Um, and that you know, and a Tim Curry blind spot too. I know. Or was just talking and about a Tim Mia Sarah blind spot. <laughs> <laughs> Mia Sarah, really, dude? Basically, you've probably only seen fifty percent of Mia Sarah's work. <laughs> no, I saw Time Cop. Okay, so you've seen. I've two, seen sixty-six percent of Mia Sarah's work. Mia Sarah's work. All right. <laughs> Um, someone to watch over me, which I've never, never seen, seen nor one. heard of. Okay, that's that's, that's uh, Mimi Rogers and Tom Berenger. Yeah, interesting. I think he's kind of in jail at this point. Um, Black Rain, <laughs> the uh, yeah, the Michael Douglas bike cop, <laughs> Andy know. Garcia. Yeah, that's right. That's an early Garcia too. Yeah, it's the Yakuza. Thelma and Louise. Yeah. 1492, which I've never seen. I have not seen that either. But uh, I enjoy the... Um, I, it's Gerard... That's the Gerard, Gerard Depardieu. Depardieu. Armand Asante, Sigourney Weaver. Interesting. And the Vangela score. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I've listened to that score quite a bit. Is I that enjoy. like his only major score besides... Um, Chariots of Fire? Chariots of Fire, yeah. No, he's done... He used to do so Vangelis. Yeah. He used to do like French documentaries 
scores for French documentaries and just beautiful one about birds. That... Oh, he also did Blade Runner. Yeah, he did the Blade Runner score. Okay. The no. Blade Runner score, I fucking love. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, you want to talk about, um, yeah, I, I've kind of gone down the, the rabbit hole a little bit of electronic soundtracks after listening to uh, Clockwork, or I'm sorry, after watching A Clockwork Orange. Um, so you should go, you should definitely move on to Tron. Well, I love Tron. Why? Because yeah. it's the same composer. Yeah. Yeah. Like Wendy. Yes. Um, and he does, he does 1492. Yeah. Oh, Alexander, he does. Yeah. He's done a few 80s ones. Like he, he was sort of like the, um, he was sort of like the Tangerine Dream for the 80s for a while. Like well, yeah, Tangerine, that's Dream, they Tangerine got... Dream, you know, because those, the, you know, some of those Michael Mann scores talk about Thief and oh. um, I think they did The Keep too, because it definitely sounds like them. I just, I just watched that for the first time. The I need Yeah. I want to ask you about that movie later. Do you, do you have the Criterion channel? No, I don't. Okay. That's one that I'm hanging on to yeah, you uh, as Criterion, uh, you know, largely because I think I paid for a year of it up front. But um, I saw that The Keep was on there, and that's the only Michael Mann film besides like his TV movies that I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got a, one or two TV movies. Yeah, because Police Story was originally was originally a TV movie. Um, Heat. Yeah, it was, was originally a TV, yeah, yeah, TV yeah. movie, and he turned it into a he feature. turned it into and, and he turned it into one of the greatest films of, of all, time. all time. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, the keep has a killer electronic score too. The keep, okay, we'll talk about the keep later. Yeah, yeah. Because we got we got to get round back to, and I'll I'll bring us back. Yes, wa- Watch the arc; it'll be organic. Um, take us home, Jared. I'll, I'll get us there. Don't you worry, my friend. Don't you worry. Uh, but he's also so he's also got. Uh, oh, White Squall. Have you ever seen that? I've one? seen White Squall. I I I don't, I I don't recall think I've seen that it. Movie. I was gonna say I don't I don't think I've seen it before since uh, since it came out I think but um, I, I, Jeff Bridges in there I remember being pretty mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah, um, and then he does GI Jane. GI Jane right after that. Yep. And that one as much as much shit as Demi Moore got for that movie. Mm-hmm. That movie is really fucking good. I. I really like that. Movie. Don't think I've ever seen it. I, I remember the talk about it at the time. Uh, Gladiator. Yep. Hannibal, which I've never seen. Uh, can I tell you my Hannibal story real quick? Sure. So, spoiler alert: the the movie ends with, um, I believe they're at Hannibal Lecter's house. Okay. Or. Maybe it's really they're at somebody's house, mm-hmm. and Raylia is the FBI agent who is using Clarice Starling, played by Julianne Moore, mm-hmm. to get Lur Hamble back into custody. Mm-hmm. Raylia miserably fails, and Hamble, I believe, drugs Julianne Moore. At the time, she wakes up. She is dressed for dinner, and Hannibal is putting on a meal with Ray Liotta talking to her, mm-hmm. also drugged. Um, and <laughs> Anthony Hopkins appears 
opens Raylia's skull uh-huh. and begins frying his brain while he is still alive. Oh, Jesus Christ. And makes him, at one point, eats it. Oh, wow. Wow. And this is the opening night of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the girl I was and going with the girl who I was dating at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am laughing my ass off. <laughs> because what, like, you got Ray Liotta to eat his own brain. <laughs> How is that not fucking funny? That, that, it's pretty funny. In a very dark way. Yeah, sure. And... I'm the only one in the theater laughing <laughs> and a sold out screening. Like, and everyone's kind of looking at me like, what the fuck is up with this guy? I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I'm just doing my hand. I'm like, oh, he's eating his own brain. What is that? Like, there's no way this could happen. Sure. Yeah. Like, no, he, he would have drugged or not. He would have been, been dead. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, yeah, I, I, you can give me, yeah, I, I just thought that was hilarious. And by the way, that movie is pales in comparison. I mean, how could it not? They, the, all of the 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 sequels and prequels to that have just had increasingly diminishing returns. Other than mm-hmm. the show Hannibal, which I I think was oh my good. God. The visuals, is like the one redeeming quality of that movie. Is, well, there are two redeeming qualities. One is, of course, Anthony Hopkins still kills it. Mm-hmm. And two, the visuals on that movie are fucking amazing. Mm. Like, it's half of it's filmed in Italy. Okay. And. Well, I mean, you, th- nobody's saying that, that Scott, really Scott is a slouch in the visual Oh, department. no, he is not. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's, that's the two redeeming qualities of that movie. He does uh, Black Hawk Down the same year, which I've, I've never seen. Yeah, it's a blind spot for me. Matchstick Men, which surprisingly is a blind spot for me, because I think that's still... Oh, I love that's, that movie. That's, that's a good performance during that period by Nicolas Cage, from what I've heard. That's what got me on the Sam Rockwell radar. Well, I was going to say, Sam Rockwell, who is one of my, one of my favorite actors, actually. Um, I think that in Galaxy Quest got me on the... Got me, uh, Honorary president of the Sam Rockwell fan club. I, he's just, he's so consistently good. I think regardless of, of how good the film that he's in is, he himself is usually, I mean, he is one of the best parts of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film. Oh yeah. That's half the reason why I watched it. Um, which I, I, I still like, and I know that not that many people do, I like but I'm a, I'm a huge Douglas Adams fan. Uh, and, and that adaptation I thought was, was a pretty, you know, especially because it was based off of Adams's script. So, you know, it was stuff that he wanted to be on the screen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for that, I think it was, I think it was pretty solid. I, I like, um, oh, I can't, oh, most deaf's performances mm-hmm. as, uh, uh, fuck. Ford Three. Prefect. Yeah. Ford Prefect. I, and I always like, um, Martin Freeman. Yes, thank you, Martin Freeman. Uh, and and who doesn't like a little Zoe Deschanel? Yeah, yeah. I'm just just saying. Wow, we're going through the uh, <laughs> the Rogues Gallery of Jared Duran crushes. Mm. Uh, all right, so he follows that up with uh, there. I have a lot of really Scott blind spots. I'm realizing 
Uh, Kingdom of Heaven is up next. Never seen it. Apparently, and I've never seen it either, but apparently that is in latter Ridley Scott, his, you know, cinema. That is yeah. the one that people love. Really? Like, this, like, nobody went to see it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so it landed him in jail. Again. It's in a, it's in Orlando Bloom film, right? Yeah. He's in it. And I, re- I remember not going to it because I, I could never really take that guy seriously. Yeah. And that's, that's fair. I never, I, I just like, going, God, he's just gonna, do, he just keeps doing these swords and sandals epics. And I'm like, mm-hmm. enough, dude. Well, so to that point, he takes his, you know, his main swords and sandals guy and puts him in a good year. Yeah. Which is the next film in that. And I've seen that one, too. And I, I liked that. And that's that one was that's a much more just straight drama kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. I haven't seen that. American Gangster, which I also haven't seen, but I have heard is good. That's that's a Denzel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Body of Lies, which I've not seen. That one's good. I haven't seen his Robin Hood. Uh, I that's seen Russell that Crowe. Yeah. Uh, Prometheus, which is on my watch list because I'm going through all of the Prometheus alien films. Prometheus is Dope. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. The Counselor, which I haven't seen. I think that's based off of a Cormac McCarthy script. Yeah, don't even... Well, I guess... It's got Harvey, Javier Bardem, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there's one oh, reason to pick. see. If, so, you, if there's one reason to see that movie... Yeah. It's... I, I remember not hearing good things about it. Yeah, there's one there's one reason to see that movie, and it's not a good reason. Okay. But there is a scene in the movie that has to be, like, seen to be, to be believed. Okay. It involves Cameron Diaz and a car. Okay. Like, and I'll just leave it at it's, that. It's something where if I saw it happen to be on Hulu or something like that, which, I don't, you know, this is an example. I don't, I don't know if it's there or not. Because I haven't gone looking for it, but if if that's one, if I just happen to, or like on Canopy or one of the the free, <laughs> you know, streaming sites, I, I I might watch it because um, I am intrigued by the Cormac McCarthy involvement. But it was never meant like it, seriously. It's it was never meant to be. Yeah, it should have never. It should, should, it should never screen. have been. It should never have been. Uh, he does Exodus, Gods and Kings, which I haven't seen. That that sucks. Uh, I've heard. Yes. Uh, oh, Christian Bale in uh, that too. Yeah, it, like that is, it's it's his Ten Commandments movie, mm. and it's funny is because, um, the guy who plays the Pharaoh, um, whose name escapes me, Joel Edgerton, mm-hmm. just gives the the most bonehead performance I have ever seen. And at no point, no one thought, why do we have an Irish guy playing an Egyptian? Like, that is just, like, why do we have British guys playing Egyptians? That is just bizarre to me. Hmm. Uh, and it was it just really a goddamn rush job. Like, that's exactly what it does. Like, the man comes out with, like, a movie a year. Mm-hmm. You can tell which ones he's passionate about and which ones. Well, I say he's not passionate about, you know, doing a Ten Commandments movie, but sometimes he comes out with two films in a year, as we're about to get to. So he does The Martian. Two films in a month. Right. <laughs> yeah, he does The Martian, mm-hmm. uh, which I I still need to see. I that's that's a 
kind of a blind spot for me, a modern blind spot. Uh, Alien Covenant, which again... Dope. Dope, yeah. Okay. All the Money in the World, which I've never heard of. Oh, that's the one that... It's, it's Wahlberg it's about and Michelle the Williams. It's one about the gays and... Christopher Plummer's in it. Well... I just, out of the corner of my eye, I saw that... Plummer... Plummer took Spacey's place via digital. Oh, really? Yeah. That's like when, when the allegations about Kevin Spacey came out. Mm-hmm. They said, well, we can't have him in the movie, but we've already filmed this part. What are we going to do? So it says Plummer replaced Spacey and 22 scenes were reshot within eight days, one month prior to the, uh, the, the pushed back release date. Mm-hmm. And it was reported that Wahlberg was paid million and a half bucks yeah compared to michelle williams is one thousand dollars for the reshoots yep yeah that's that's some bullshit crazy that's fucking crazy yeah he got into some heat for that too yes yep it's mentioned it sparked it sparked the conversations about the pay gap uh and then there's a, a gap you know with during which something you know with a little pandemic thingy happened and and then 2021 sees the release of The Last Duel and House of Gucci. Which I've seen House of Gucci. Haven't watched House of Gucci. Yes. I did not hear good things about House of Gucci. No, actually, it's... I heard there were good aspects of it. Yeah. And certain performances that were good. Gaga is great. But overall, I did, I did not hear great things about it. And Nothing I, that made me want to... And actually, I like Leo in that movie. I heard his performance. I, he's just, he's such a fucking Johnny Depp to me right now. It, where it's more about, uh, you know, doing the, the, the imitation or whatever, doing the, you know, mm-hmm. putting on the prosthetics and doing the, I don't know. I, I, know. I, 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 I forgot. It's weird because I actually forget, like you forget for a minute, it is, you know, the most douchiest guy i wish i could do that about everything that he's in forget that it's actually jared leto yeah um which is a shame because it's a shame that i feel so poorly about him because he's so good in dallas buyers club Mm -hmm. he's good in hasaguchi um to the point where you forget who you know that he it's just jared leto in a fat suit like he's trying to be like Christian Bale right now, but like Christian Bale be Christian Bale, like right. I mean, Christian Bale, who arguably is also comes off as douchey, but like angry douchey, um, uh, is. I don't get a douchey vibe from Bale like I do from Leo, and maybe that's because of the whole thirty seconds to Mars thing. Mm. Like, well, and sending people boxes of shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that it's kind like of thing. yeah, it's like Leo. Like has to like one up, bail in the method department. Like no one, like Leo is just like a dick, and Bale is just like, like I'm fine. So well, but by all accounts, let's you know. So I I not having seen House of Gucci, I can't personally compare. Other than I did read some criticism that it was not you know not a great film. I mean, and compared to this one, this so the last duel is critically. Now we're coming back to the last duel. I see what you did there. It 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 only took us about an hour, but we're but we're back at the last duel. It, it, it <laughs> what is, a journey we've been on. <laughs> it's funny we're talking about the dudes 
behind this movie, and we're going to talk about the lady. Well, we're going to, I yeah. because I think that they are the best part of it. Yeah. Both in the script contributions from Hall of Center and the performance from Jodie Comer. So we're definitely going to get, you know, to talk about how they are the shining. Yeah, we need to talk about yeah. of this film. So we'll get to that. But the last duel and House of Gucci come out the same year. Within a month. Right. Last duel costs a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. and tanks. It makes back, I think, what, like thirty million or something like that. Yeah. I read. Uh, may, maybe it was sixty. Um, let me see. It did not. It did not do well um, against a hundred million dollars worldwide total. It did thirty point six. So it's a fucking flop. Yeah, fails miserably commercially speaking, mm-hmm. but does get glowing. You know, pretty glowing reviews. Um, it's that amazing do, that do focus, you know, pretty much on not only the visual aspects of it, but the Comer and Hall of Center aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got House of Gucci, which costs about, you know, three quarters of that. It's about seventy-five million and breaks one hundred and fifty million. So that's you know, mm-hmm. that's a hit essentially. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of am, I, I don't know what it takes to get people to go see something like this these days. But we were talking about this off mic. I just watched Barry Lyndon. That was my last remaining Kubrick blind spot. Great film, over three hours long, period piece. You know, fantastic film. It does. It's much slower paced even than than the last duel is, and I I feel the three hours of it all. You know, it doesn't detract from it, but I cannot see that film today, being you know, getting people to go see it necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you look at what this movie had. The only thing that this movie had going for it, like on paper. You have Man Ben back together, but they're not, you know, they're not in Boston anymore. They're in France. Right, but it, they definitely brought some Boston to France. Oh my God, did they? <laughs> There's not much effort to hide their home, you know, their origins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, good for them. I'd rather they just <laughs> not try it's than turn like, in a, a bad accent. It's like Adam Driver is like, did, did his homework. Right. And the other two, like, well, we we wrote you your we wrote you your script, bitch. <laughs> right? Yeah. I you know I I don't know. We're we're gonna get into it. There are a couple of other pieces I want to get to. Of course, it was written by Hall of Center Affleck and Damon. Mm-hmm. You 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 can definitely you could definitely tell the differences in the sections. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and based on the section that I enjoyed the most, I would say that Hall of Center is definitely responsible for that third section. Yeah. Um, it's based on a on a book by a, a, a professor of history named Eric Jager. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cinema, cinematography done by Darius Walski, um, and he's basically been Ridley Scott's guy for the last ten years. Yeah. Prior to which he was pretty much Tony Scott's guy. Um, mm-hmm. But if you look at at Walski's uh, career, he, he's he has pretty. People like him because he consistently works for for you know the same guy for for many many films, um, mm-hmm. and the film looked great. He can he can light. Yes, 
Uh, you've also it was edited by Claire Simpson, who worked. If you look at her career, worked with a lot with Oliver Stone in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, she was on uh, on Wall Street. She was on Platoon uh, as the editor. Um, music by Harry Gregson Williams, who has done a lot of Tony Scott, and then also Michael Bay, and has been Ridley Scott's guy since basically since Tony's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of interesting how if you look at if you look at who Ridley Scott has worked with in the last decade, the last decade plus, really, um, he took on a lot of his brother's people. Well, they both own that the production company. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's th- those. That's what I've got as far as kind of like background for the film and who's involved in it. And and now we can we can really get into um, the film itself. Yeah. Which, and. Like, and again, I, I guess just because so much of the press around this movie mm-hmm. has been its failure. Right. You have to realize, like, I think it's worth mentioning that in addition to, you know, on paper, the only thing that appealed to me about this movie initially was Matt and Ben, mm-hmm. back, Matt and Ben together again in a non-Kevin Smith movie. Mm-hmm. And um, Ridley Scott. Um, and, and Driver. Because he is a handsome man. Um, and I can say that. Yeah, um, nobody's stopping you. No, no, I can say that. and I can, uh, I'm can. i sorry, actually, Jason, this just came in. You're not allowed to say that handsome, not Adam say Driver's that. a handsome man. Yeah. I'm not? Okay. Yeah. Um, damn it. <laughs> that's, that's why my phone buzzed. That was my... There's that was my, te- my text from Adam Driver saying, "Please tell Jason not to tell, not to say I'm a handsome man How anymore." How did he know? How did he know? John Oliver was uh, was thirsting after him. <sighs> the man is a thirst trap. <laughs> I think uh, there's one thing that this movie establishes mm-hmm. is that Driver is a thirst trap. Well, but also can be menacing as fuck. Uh, you know, again, to well, I I didn't do this. I was talking about, uh, you know. Fran Hoffner is a is a critic that I follow, um, and on on Letterboxd and on Twitter, mm-hmm. and she mentioned uh, that this is one of the first things to really uh, like since girls uh, explore how menacing he can be. Yeah, he's he's been in movies. He, I mean, he's point. a large guy, yep. large, powerful guy, mm-hmm. and you could the 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 frightening. I think what makes it all the more upsetting is that he very much was capable of 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 the rape act. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's it's a rape. Yep, and going and that brings us back to what is against this movie. Mm-hmm. You have to watch that twice, and like. I don't want to see that. I didn't want to see it. Right. <laughs> I didn't want to see it when I saw it, the, you know, this, you know, last night. But I mean, it's there's a reason why it's there. Well, so so let's talk about the plot and the structure of the yeah. film. So the the plot ostensibly is it's 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 this it's the same account from three points of view. Mm-hmm. And then we finally once the third retelling is done, we get to what happens afterwards. Um and each, you know, from from what I have read and heard, each part was, uh, each part of the retelling was done sort of independently by the three 
contributors. So mm-hmm. Affleck wrote a telling of it, but imagine that it's the uh, it's the Adam Driver telling of it, um, which would also make sense because I think that that's the part where Affleck sh- Affleck's character shows up the most. Well, there's that, but it's also it's also what I you know I, I can imagine uh, Affleck also being that kind of overbearing. Um, I, I, I think that he could inhabit that kind of character. It's yeah. interesting that he chose not to, but I think that he could. So that that he did write himself a lot of orgies, though. He did write himself into a lot of orgies. He did. I I I will we'll get to it in a minute, but I, I just kind of want to break down. You know, so you've got the 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 Damon perspective, you've got the driver perspective, and you've got the Comer perspective. Mm-hmm. The most distant, really, obviously, is the Damon perspective. Focuses more on his war contributions and what a great hero he is. Um, and you know how wronged he was by everybody, uh, how the the victimhood of all of that. You know why him on all of this, uh, and then of course, you know getting to the point where he goes and um, uh, which of course you know you've got the in his retelling he's very much behind his wife and you know the injustice of this all and this man will pay mm-hmm. and he's going to seek justice. Uh, in a noble manner, not not just you know for his own name, but for the name of his wife as well, for the honor of his wife, which is bullshit. Yeah, you've got the driver perspective, which um, which then I think gets. What's interesting is that there's a little there's a little more truth about the other characters behind each of the retellings. Yeah, less truth about themselves, their own perspective, more truth about what it was to observe you know, the other participants where you except mm-hmm. for Comer yeah. because in each of their tellings in, in, in Damon's telling you barely, she's, she's, you know, almost like an, an, an adoring appendage of his basically. Mm-hmm. And, and like it, I pulled her. Yeah. Like I found out she was a trait, you know, the, the, the daughter of a traitor. Yes. And I, was so smitten with her that I right yeah even though even in his telling you can tell that that's bullshit yeah. but uh, and then you get you know you get the driver perspective that he is he was much more uh, rash and not really uh, much of a thinking man necessarily no. uh, and and getting himself into trouble all the time the, the man behind what two or three losing war campaigns right yes yeah. Of course, which in Damon's telling are they were we would we were it was inevitable that we lose we would lose but I was so brave and so great in it I was the great you know yeah and I saved Am Driver's life right yeah which is of which is reversed in the in the driver telling mm-hmm. um, and you get that Damon has fallen on hard times um, having trouble making the rents to to. Affleck's character, who's obviously the lord of the land, mm-hmm. um, and Affleck, I think, is great. By the way, oh and yeah, his his uh, very you know he's the only one having fun, right? Yes, it's a very fun role for him. He just basically gets to you know have orgies and pal around with his buddy Adam Driver, you know. Yeah, um, which I think is why he wrote if he wrote that mill part. Yeah, he 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 did himself a great service. I, I agree, uh, and then you've got. You you get a little more revealed of 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 course driver is like, well yeah yeah I'm um, 
we 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 did but it was you know we 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 did the deed but it was we both wanted it clearly i mean mm -hmm. how could we not want it we were hot for each other um you know she put up the 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 appropriate protests but you know in the end he's bought into his own his, he's bought into yes. what women have been saying about him for sure. years yes um he can't imagine a world in which the woman on the receiving end of his advances would not be honored that he was um, yeah. he was sticking his dick in them basically yeah. yeah when he come when he when he sits up lumers go down yes um he's yeah he, he's like my uh my penis is like midas it's got the golden touch um <laughs> well there's there's the line um I don't know who says it. I think it might be him during one of the orgies. Um, I think about um, putting evil inside mm -hmm. her. Yes. And that, I think that line. The, the metaphor is very apropos. Yeah. Um, so he, but he feels like, no, it was something that they both wanted and he is not guilty of rape. I mean, he feels guilt on some level, you know, per, perhaps for the infidelity because mm -hmm. he does go and confess. Yep. Um, and then we get the Comer telling of it, which is, you know, her talking about how the, the most joy that she gets is the day-to-day -day when Damon is gone and she's left in charge and gets to... You know, going and seeing how basically her husband is mismanaging his finances. He's kind of he's not he's not collecting the rent from his the people living on his land. You know, so it's it, it you know the, uh, the there there are those things. Um, she is kind of forced to marry him. You know that yep. you don't see the kind of attraction between the two of them, and that it's pretty much just a tactic. It's a land grab. Literally, yes. Marrying her, yes, is a land grab, right? And then he doesn't get the land he's trying to grab. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you know the, the interesting ways in how you know she manages Damon a lot, um, mm -hmm. Damon's character, and then there's her perspective of the rape, which is of course the most horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, and the most difficult to watch. And oh, I, the, I would argue that neither one is as wonderful to watch. No, 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 no. But it is. Yeah. I think it's even more difficult to watch because you have in 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 Driver's retelling of it, in his mind, she still does. You know, she, he he. You know, in his retelling of it, there are those protestations. But he's mm -hmm. like, that's the style. She's married. You know, she's got to put up some protests. But in the end, she enjoyed it, and. Hers, of course, is like, no, it was an entirely horrific act. This was straight up rape. I had no, you know, mm -hmm. I, this was completely forced on me. I had mm -hmm. no desire, no enjoyment, nothing. And you get to see how completely backwards church and state are on this matter. Right. There, there's a lot of interesting things in here as well, of course, of the idea that a woman can only conceive if she also experiences pleasure. Um, the, you know... So, the trying to corner her into um, 
you know, the of course, the public humiliation of having her describe enjoyment of sex with her husband or not. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that casts shadow, uh, casts doubt on who the father is of her child. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, just the 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 idea coming across very much of a woman as property, not as the not as having agency. Um, the just awfulness of the Damon character when he finds out about the rape, and then essentially again forces her to have sex because he's like, he will not be the last one who entered you. Yeah. Um, and just you know how how straight up awful it is. And then we've got the what happens afterwards. We've got the duel, which is, I, I think, you know, uh, just fantastically shot, very gripping, very horrific also. I got to ask you, mm-hmm. since we're now on the duel. Yes. Did you, did you expect the result that it was? At that point, at the point that the duel actually happens, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was really rooting for Damon. Well, yeah. Not because I liked his character, but because Jodie Comer's life was in the balance. Yeah. Which, again, complete bullshit. The idea that, well, if your husband wins this duel, then, then uh, according to God, you are, you are true. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, you're a filthy liar and you're going to burn. Yeah. <laughs> Pregnant, by yes. the way. Yeah. Just... Absolutely. Well, no, by the time the, the duel happens, she's already had the baby. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, but the, just the mere idea that they're judging her, you know, truthfulness on the outcome of a duel between two men. Yeah. That, that was the only reason I was rooting for Damon as yeah. well. But you thought they, they might thought, let Affleck... I thought they were going mean, to let sorry, Driver. Uh, Driver, yeah. I thought they were going to let Driver win because why make a movie mm-hmm. about this if, like, tragic, if there's, a happy, ending, if there's yeah. a happy ending? Well, you can still argue it's not necessarily a happy ending. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. The epilogue to that is, is that Damon dies in battle and she pretty much lives happily ever after. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a bit of a happy ending to it. It's just a, not on it screen. It was a rough. Yeah, yeah. The, the the fact that the the best outcome is that Damon wins the fight and then dies in the Crusades, mm. so that she can have a happy life on her own. Yeah, the Crusades, which is what Kingdom of Heaven is about. So yeah. maybe this is the prequel. Well, so <laughs> interesting. There's a there's a few things I want to talk about in this. I think you liked this overall more than I did. I did. I I think so. For me, this movie did not, I did not click with this film until the third part happened, mm-hmm. until the third chapter goes. I'm just like, I, I, I'm, I'm not into it really. I'm just like, this is just another, it's, it's two displays of just horrible masculinity and awfulness. And I was not, I was not enjoying, even, even in the telling of the stories. I mean, it looks nice. Mm-hmm. It's fine, but... Uh, I I don't I I didn't understand why people said it was such a good film until we get to that third chapter. Well, I the first third, I was like, oh god, what? Like, are we seriously gonna do this? Like, mm-hmm. but then, like, I didn't realize how they were gonna do the Rashomon perspective type thing. 
Like I, for one, I've never seen Russian. Blind. I was gonna say, did you feel that blind spot yet? No. <laughs> yeah, I haven't felt that blind spot either. But I've seen enough movies inspired by Rashomon to know like what's sure. going, you know, to know how how it works to attribute it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, go me. I, I, <laughs> I've 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 you, gone to that's right because we're pop culture connoisseurs. Yeah. So you can you've you not know, experts. You've, you right you've. <laughs> You've consumed enough pop culture to infer the Rashomon effect. Yeah, yeah. I've gone, I've gone, I've done enough film classes. I've gone to film sure. school. I know what's up. So I know, I know a Kurosawa influence when I see it. Right. Even though I've never seen a Kurosawa film. Right. Even though the actual guilt and shame will not really be alleviated until you watch the film. Right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, so. The first time I'm like, oh, God, like, please tell me, like, he's not, like, this cruel magnum, you know, this caveman French dude. Right. Is, like, the hero. Oh, sure, yeah. And... But he's not really a hero. Well, that's the thing is, like, the the second, third, Mm -hmm. when you see Driver's perspective, when you see the subtle differences. Right. like it's immediately the nuances, apparent, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It's immediately apparent in the beginning battle mm-hmm. when you get to see like, oh, like things are going to be different this time. Like, yeah, way different. And then when you start to see like it's not. Well, visually, you can see it in the differences between the character too. Because to go mm-hmm. back to to Matt Damon's awful hairstyle in it, but in in addition to the the very the 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 difference between. The driver character and the Damon character, for, and one being that da- that driver's much more cultured. Yeah, you know he he can read. Mm-hmm. Well, he knows Latin, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Which is which is why he and Affleck become such friends because the, there's there's a, a a shared intellect, let's say. But you've got, and I mean, just they make the differences so striking. They make driver. Even when he's you know covered in armor and filth, is a is is a is a beautiful person. Yeah. And Damon, he's got the awful haircut. He's got the scar on his face. Mm. He's he looks. He looks even uglier in the second part. Right. Than he does in the first part. Yes. He he um he they 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 make him as ugly as possible, as mm. ugly and just brutish as possible. And. They make Comer as ravishing as possible, right? And I just, I, I, I that's when I kind of knew like who I'm in for something different. And you get to that perspective, especially when you see how, um, like how Damon is viewed by Affleck and mm-hmm. Driver as really a buffoon as a yeah, joke as a yeah. Buff- yeah as a, like just a just a meathead basically yeah like you're only here because of your last name right because you're your dad yeah um that well uh, okay i i would like to um it, it must be her oliver oliver cotton who plays affleck's i'm, not, I'm sorry i keep saying affleck damon's mom oh um isn't it her no it's um I had to look. Her- oh no no no! That's the father. Oliver Cotton is the father. No, it's What's- um, it's the mom. It's 
Hannah Wyingham's mom and Ted Lasso. Yes. Yes, it is. Right. The same actress. What's her name? I had to look you up last night. And and why is she not in... Oh, Harriet Walter. Yes. Yep. Okay. She's amazing. Which is... It's, it's interesting that she doesn't have the same last name as... Her last name mentioned as... Uh, Damon and his his dad in the film. Anyway, the the in on the Comer side of things, the story that she tells about how obviously she was also raped as a young woman. Mm-hmm. And that's just how things are. And you survive and you don't say anything. So you can survive. And it's just, I obvious, there are obvious overtones here. They're not even undertones. There are obvious overtones where this is a period piece that's speaking to modern day politics and modern, you know, mm-hmm. Do you feel, on that point, between that... I, if you can hold on to your thought for just a moment. Yeah. Uh, the, the other piece of that is it's so very obvious. You know, there's an inkling. It's kind of odd that she leaves after Damon has said, you know, don't leave her alone. It's, it's you know, it becomes more obvious through the two tellings and then just, you know, blatant in the third telling that she has been probably talked to by, um, in the parlance of the times, uh, and by the times I mean medieval times, um, drivers second, uh, his 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 probably you know his best man or whatever his his uh, his assistant essentially, uh, who must approach her and be like, hey, uh, my boss is going to come uh, rape your daughter-in-law, so can you you know maybe have some business to do elsewhere out of town while he comes over. So you, th- you picked up on that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, I was asking like, what is the mom's role? I guess. Yeah. She's like, she's never going to have a kid with my son. So, Oh, so you think it's, it goes so far as to say, well, let's let other, let's let some other Lord do, you know, diddle her and maybe she'll, cause uh, it comes down to pleasure. And we all know that, you know, well, who's going to bring the pleasure more than uh, Adam and Driver? Sure, because you know, because as, of his Midas Dick. <laughs> well, apparently everybody thinks of. I mean, that's what they talk about. You know, she loses her. She loses her friend because mm-hmm. they admired his. They, they. She said out loud that he's a thirst trap. Yeah, and I, I, I mentioned last night. Like, what is? was the mother's role because like you don't take everyone so you think that not only was she told to to you know head out of town for a few days but also that she was complicit in saying well i he needs an heir and whether it comes from him or whether it comes from somebody else she needs to bear a child yeah like i don't care who sperm it is that makes it even more evil like i don't care who sperm it is i like i i just we need we need a male heir that that makes it much more evil. In in my reading of it, it's she's just like, well, this is the way things are, mm-hmm. and that's that's interesting. That makes it even darker. Yeah, I didn't think that necessarily, although it does make sense, and I certainly can can see that. Um, and you may have swayed me to that way of thinking. I, at at the very minimum, she's aware that her daughter in law is going to be raped. Yeah, it's it it. 
it amazes me. I, I know what it is, but I, I shouldn't say, but I've watched two movies in a, within a week of each other mm-hmm. where I'm these minor characters are just manipulating thing. I think manipulate things from the background. What's like the other one? Tar. Oh, like, sure. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where entire we we thought there was someone who I thought someone another character was setting events in motion. Yes, causing the self destruction. Well, of, and let's not spoil Tar for yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody should go see Tar. Yes, and the fact it's probably that might be a joint recommendation this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a feeling that it's. I, I have a feeling that we were gonna get there, but I um. Yeah, I, I think there's more to the mom than just the way they're talking about in, in Comer's t- telling of events. It's child, child, give me a son, give me a son. Why aren't you having a son with me yet? Why aren't you having sex with my kid? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, you're like, how can you have pleasure doing men's work? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, very, yeah, very true. Um, Why are you taking such pleasure in men's work? Your pleasure should be coming from a man. There there are just a couple of other things that I want to highlight, and then I think we can kind of wrap up discussion of this. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I mean, for me, that, you know, that that third chapter and then also the, the ending of it um, is what made it, like a, a three and a half stars instead of a like a two stars basically instead of it's um it just the i felt that the first two parts were such a slog for me like i really felt them dragging kind of um that i was yeah i was just not as taken in by it until until comer's part comes in mm-hmm. um and you know, also, I, I guess you know that speaks volumes to to what a great writer Hall of Center is. Um, the other, so one of the other things I wanted to talk about was Affleck's character and his reaction to the the duel itself. Um, I, I there is one other thing that now that you bring up Affleck, mm-hmm. I also think it's worthy to talk about the discussion about what's happened mm-hmm. when he finds out what's happened. Yes. Like when he's very dismissive, like he's like, obviously she protested, you know? Yeah. You know, obviously she, she wanted this. And, um, there's, there's also, I think, but, each- and then he's like, but maybe we should do this through the church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that, I think that he that he his character his character is pretty interesting because there's as much as he plays up the kind of he gets to kind of be the playboy right right he's the lord he gets to have a good time you know but he also there, he also puts such an emphasis on intellect and everything you know it's it's pretty obvious that he is the most you know one of the more learned people in the land let's say and you know he's very much a thinker too there's there's a there's an interesting dynamic to his character where he's like oh man did you 
Like, did you really, why did you have to do that? You know, this fucks things up. Mm -hmm. You know who Matt Damon is. You know, he's going to come seek revenge, you know, or try to, to, you know, uh, defend his name and all that kind of Mm -hmm. business. It's, it's kind of, I, I like his character quite a bit. And there's also, there's a genuine bond between him and Driver as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And, or Driver's character. And the, the way, when he when he's sitting up in the in the in the stalls and he's just like please let him bleed out please let him bleed out I when, know. when Damon gets stabbed he's like he's hoping that this is this is the moment that driver has has won and I thought that too I mean it looked like he hit a major artery I thought he yeah that's the first yeah. thing I go oh god he hit an artery and yeah I go, maybe they're both first thought, of all I was like did he get him in the dick yeah and I kind of thought. It's going to be like that battle where he just ripped off his testicles, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and yikes. Um, but then as, as, he, as he stands over Driver's body at the end, too, as they strip him and then prepare, him, prepare to drag him through the streets and everything, mm-hmm. it's, there's a genuine sense of loss coming from him. He's lost a friend. Um, and there's also, you know, he was his enforcer as well. Mm-hmm. He made he helped him balance the books. He made sure he got paid. <laughs> yeah. But did you also just, did you also not maybe see him as an enabler of his behavior? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Because you see how. He, he like, showed the, favor to him. He, mm-hmm. he, he invited him to the orgies. He gave him the land that mm-hmm. was, that was ostensibly to go to Damon. Um, and that he, his. Like the reason why I and one of the reasons why they even bother doing or you know having the orgy mm-hmm. is to show how he is when he approaches a quote unquote lover because the thing he repeats to the willing participant in the orgy, mm-hmm. um, with the running around the table mm-hmm. and everything is the same what is the same exact way he does it with. Comer, except mm-hmm. she is not a willing participant. Right. Very clearly. Yeah. But you can, you can, it's just maybe kind of add some gray to like why he would see maybe it's a protest, mm-hmm. even though she is very clearly saying no, no, no. Yeah. Don't no, do this. Don't do this. Yeah. No. Both versions. Right. Like no's no. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Right. But in his version, there's a slight difference of where he feels like her. His his, the fact that he's able to force her due to the difference in, just sheer, strength. Mm-hmm. In his mind, is turned into, she gives in due to her desire, and her telling obviously it's that she just cannot, uh, escape him. Yep. You know. So the even as much as Affleck is an enabler and I believe I agree that he is there's that moment that he has where you can also tell like oh dude like you have all of these women I invite you to these orgies all the time why did you go have to fuck Damon's wife Yeah Would that do you think that makes him complicit Well, no, I mean, complicit to me would have been that he um, that he knew beforehand 
And I yeah. don't think that he knew beforehand. I but, think I think that he would have attempted the his reaction to finding out. I think means that he would have tried to discourage him if he had known beforehand. Yeah, he'd be like, "Dude, really, you can have any woman you want. Don't go after this guy's wife. It's just going to be bad news. You know, it mm-hmm. can't end well." Yeah, that's kind of like I think he starts to see where his behavior is starting to influence driver's behavior, but mm-hmm. he. Yeah, no, I, I, from top to bottom, I don't think that's an outcome that he wanted. I think yeah. that after the fact, after it's happened, he He's tries kinda... to kind of smooth things over a little bit, maybe, and and mm-hmm. try to avoid the actual duel happening. Yeah, like, don't talk about this. Yeah. Don't do anything but, but my name. Yeah. Like, it's... Right. Like... Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all of that. So, I mean, overall, I, I, I think that that's what pushes it into being pretty good film. I, yeah. I don't think it's a great film. I think it's pretty good, though. I, I, I it's better than I thought it would ever be. Like, there are parts of it that I think are great. I just mm-hmm. really, and you know, by the time we get to Comer's retelling, I recognize how necessary it is to get those earlier perspectives. Mm-hmm. I just, I, yeah. because they were so heavy on the on the glory of battle and taking of people's land and all this kind of thing. I was just rolling my eyes at some of that stuff. Mm. And that just, I think speaks to who I am as, uh, as, as a male. But did you think this is kind of what I was getting to earlier? Did you think it was, um, it was heavy handed at all? Oh yeah. No, there's there. I mean, I think there, there are subtleties in the differences in the, retellings uh, there's a lot of nuance that i enjoy from that um like but the title it's very card. it's there i mean they're overall it's very heavy-handed mm-hmm. you think so i didn't think it was other than the t- uh the title card for jody comer's version of the story mm-hmm. where it says the truth according to yes and then the rest fades out except for the truth right and then the horse rape um, yeah, the black horse and the white horse. Yes, um, that was not subtle. Right. Um, I saw and goddamn, did I see a lot of horse dick? <laughs> you didn't notice actually. If if you look closely, it's Adam Driver in the suit. Oh, <laughs> I, I must have missed that when I was doing my research. That's actually Driver mounting the horse. He was very method. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Come, my little thoroughbred. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, um, no, uh, that, those two moments are the ones that kind of felt a little heavy-handed to me. I no, I, I mean, I, I don't think overall. I mean, the it's it's very much, uh, you know, a con- as much a comment on on me too and times up and all that kind of thing as yeah. anything else is. And the, it, they, it's, it's guys is in a period piece. That's all. Yeah. I just, oh, and, yeah, you're very clear. And I think that's part of the perspective that Hofstadter brings to it. Yes. She's worked with Weinstein. Mm-hmm. She's been part of like the people that she grew up with. Mm-hmm were almost were enablers of people who have been part 
been the targets of the Me Too movement. Sure. Yes. Um, no, like, I guess um, at no point, like, it's just other than the title card and the horse mounting. Mm-hmm. Did I ever feel like it was getting like preachy or heavy handed? Well, I think there's a difference between preachy and heavy handed. Do? I, I don't okay. think that the that it was necessarily preachy. I, I do think that it was very evident that it was a message film or at least a, a social commentary film, which mm. I do equate with being heavy handed. Okay. But I didn't feel like I, I just, I enjoyed this movie um, because I didn't feel like I was being told something I already knew. See, for me, it's, it's not a film I enjoyed. It's a film that I thought was good, but I did not, See, I, 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 I guess I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the. Of course, I don't feel manipulated. Did you feel manipulated? No, but I, for me that does. For me to honestly enjoy something, though, there are not. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I see a distinction between enjoying something, and. And thinking something is a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's the same distinction between saying something is a person's best work and something being my favorite work by a person. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there, there just there, there are differences between between the experience of it. I did not find this film enjoyable because there's too much. There are too many horrific aspects to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm never gonna watch this. I, I may watch it again, but I think it's a fascinating film. I think it's really well done. Mm-hmm. There, but there I, are some great performances. I think it's a good film. I didn't enjoy it though. I, I would if I watch this again, it would be hopefully a heavily edited version where I don't have to watch rape again. Yeah. I mean, and again, for it's like, um, have you ever seen the girl with the dragon tattoo, the David Fincher version? No, I have not. Okay, that's a Fincher blind spot for me. Um, there are there are two horrific scenes in that movie mm-hmm. of, of an otherwise great, good, you know, nice looking movie, mm-hmm. and they involve rape, mm-hmm. and much more, much. T- and the rape scene in, in Dragon Tattoo is even far worse than the one in Last Duel, which mm-hmm. you have to endure twice. Right. Um, at least in the second scene in in Dragon Tattoo, there's some vengeance mm-hmm. um, or some comeuppance for the horrific act that happened 20 minutes before. It's just, it's not something I'm comfortable with seeing. But well, I, just, I don't think yeah. that, I see. I, I guess it, I want, it ruins I want, like, but it makes me not want to watch the movie. I, I I don't think that I don't think a film has to be pretty to be good. I don't think that something has to be easy to watch to be good. Mm-hmm. That's again, that's a that's that distinction that I'm making. Yeah. Um, and I can enjoy a lot of ugliness in a film, and it's usually mm-hmm. in something like, um, in something like. Uh, the worst person in the world where it's not 
you know, there's there's a lot of ugliness to the people interacting with each other. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed that film. Um, or even now watching um, You're the Worst. There's a lot of ugliness in the people. You know, a lot of just awfulness. And I'm enjoying the fuck out of it. Yeah. Um, this is just, you know, it's it, there, are, there are things that are hard to watch. I would argue that actually the fact that the rape is not necessarily graphic, that it's psychologically difficult, mm-hmm. um, makes it more powerful. Yeah. And still very difficult. Mm. She has to, like, soak her... Herself, yes. Afterwards. Yeah. Like, it's that bad. Yeah. So. I, I, it's... Anyway... I, I, it's it's definitely something that I would recommend, though. I think it's a good film that, that mm-hmm. I would say people should watch. Yeah, I, I, I would recommend this movie. I think it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 can, I can't believe it got made. Like, a movie like this, I can't believe it got well, made. Well, I mean, you look at the people involved. It's it's directed by Ridley Scott. It has the involvement of Damon and Affleck. There, there, there's enough juice to the people involved that mm-hmm. you can get the financing for it. Yeah, I just... I don't see, and I would also say that all of that money is on the screen. It's a yeah. it's an incredible looking film. Arthur Max is definitely one of the produ- best production designers, and I mean because that's all he does is just design Ridley Scott movies, which mm-hmm. are never bad to look at. Yeah, like and how he and how he can jump from genre to genre. And, sure, like and come out with like two films in a month. It's just amazing to me. I just, I, I don't know how really Scott does it. Like, does the man ever take a break? Plus, he produced. I mean, not much of one. Plus, I, he's the producer of like half, like, like of all those other like, of the Perot movies and. Oh sure, yeah. like his production company comes out with shit like every month. Like it's just, how does he do it? Like, where does he find the time? Does he sleep? Plus, he's got like a hot model wife. Like, I, you know, that, that, that is unsurprising. <laughs> yeah. Are you surprised? I'm not. So, but I don't know. That's just. Uh, do, you, do you have anything else you want to? No, I, I have nothing else to add other than this is a. Um, do you want. Uh, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, it's just. This is a. Um, I. I. It's weird that we started the HCU with you um, championing, walking, and talking, and me feeling like it should have been a sitcom. To me, <laughs> to now we're at the end, and there's this big $100 million epic, uh-huh. and I like this movie far more than you do. I, I don't know about far more. You like it half a star more than I do. I like it half a star more than you do. <laughs> I, and I probably would have given it five stars were it not for the for the rape uh, and the haircuts. <laughs> well, here's here's what I like to do. It's not an atypical thing. We've done it in other situations. I w- if you want to bring up the list of Hall of Center films, mm-hmm. we're at the end here. I'd like to go ahead and rank them. Let's do it. So we, we are, we're not, uh, we obviously didn't see her short film, Angry, and we have not seen, Beth and Dawn has not come out yet, so we are going over her Filmography from essentially the last 25 years, uh, beginning with 1996's Walking and Talking, 2001's Lovely and Amazing, 2006's Friends with Money, 2010's Please Give, 
2013's Enough Said, which were all written and directed by. Then we've got the first uh, film that she wrote but did not direct, which is Every Secret Thing. Um, then we got The Land of Steady Habits, where she's back in the director's chair. And then the final two, which again, she co- she either wrote or co-wrote um, and did not direct, which are Can You Ever Forgive Me and The Last Duel. How do you want to do this? you want to go from worst to best or least favorite to mo- to, to favorite? I, I have all my I have all the films up on my uh, on your letterbox on my letterbox I, I need to make my Hall of Center list um, I haven't done that I will have by the time this goes up do you um, want to since you've got yours prepped do you want to go I, I can go I, I gave I, mean, I gave walking and talking three stars it's mid it's mid Hall of Center for me okay um, oh, how I want to rank them? Yeah. Okay, so I'll rank them uh, worst to best. Obviously, we all we we both agree. So let me let's count them. So we're gonna number them from let's see one two three four five six seven eight. Is it nine of them? Is that right? Yeah, I have. That looks like nine films to me. I have ten actually. One two three. No, I have nine. Four. Yeah, it's nine. I have nine. All right, so we're numbering them. Worst to best or best to worst? Uh, let's see worst to best. Okay, so from because nine to one, one, basically. I think you and I can agree number nine uh, would be every secret thing. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You go all the way through. I'll, I'll go after you. Uh, um, then I would go land to say habits. Then I would go walking and talking. Then I would go lovely and amazing. Uh, then I would go friends and money, friends with money. Then I would go uh, last duel. Then I would do please give. And then can you ever forgive me? And then enough said. Okay, interesting. So enough said is your favorite. I it's gotta be no no. Never has a movie made a fat man. <laughs> A sex symbol. All right. Um, so I have to give that. Pro- I have to give that five stars. Plus, I mean, I mean. So what were your top three? Was that your top three were? Top three was enough said. Was number one. Was can you please ever for- give? Can you ever forgive me? Enough said. Please give. Can you ever forgive me? Oh, okay. Interesting. Please give just affected me in such a, in such a surprising way. Yeah. All right. So and those are and those are the three. Like I own. Pre- Please give because it was yeah five bucks at uh, on on online. But I immediately at some point I'm going to go out. I'm going to buy the. Can you ever forgive me? And enough said on physical media mm-hmm. because Criterion will never. <laughs> I keep waiting for those Criterion editions and they're never going to happen. Uh, it would be nice. I, I can imagine some of her independent stuff coming out on Criterion. But like, the, uh, and the reason why the middle ones are in the middle is because I felt those could have been, sure, sitcoms or. I I, didn't, I never agreed about any of that because yeah. I think it's great to see these kind of relationship films on the screen. But all right, so yes, mm-hmm. absolute agreement. The that's the real stinker, the dud of all of these films was every secret thing. Yeah, that thing was practically unwatchable. Um, I don't know what happened, but it was, ugh. 
All right, so every secret thing, bottom of the list. Um, next. Huh, this is actually kind of tough because I really like all of the ones that she wrote and directed. Um, but I guess Land of Steady Habits, probably because it's... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's... There's a there's a lot th that's good that's in there, but it, it is also kind of inconsistent. Um, and there's I, I feel like there's more that could have been explored with it. Um, so I would I would put that next. Um, walking and talking. Friends with money. Uh, the last duel. Can you ever forgive me? And then I would go lovely and amazing. Please give enough said. Yeah. I just, I mean, I, I really like both the, uh, these last two films that um, she did not direct. I, li I like them a lot, but I, I really got the most enjoyment out of the ones that, that she wrote and directed those mm. that to me, that's just, that's, that's just my zone. That's my favorite style of film. Those, mm. those just explorations of relationships between two people and how people can be, you know, wonderful to each other. And yet also just so horrible to each other also, mm -hmm. and unthinkingly horrible a lot of the time. And those, you know, those films, especially like lovely and amazing mm. enough said, um, please give, I think those, that, that, those three in particular, um, just really the relationship dynamics in there, whether it's between mm -hmm. the women and their partners or the the women themselves. Um, in the case of Old Man Amazing, between the sisters and the mom, mm -hmm. um, just absolutely wonderful. So, so that's why those those three really I, stick at the top for me. I like Please Give. I but I the reason why I picked the three that I did is because they both. Have, the three of them affected me in ways I never suspected mm -hmm. that the other ones did not. Enough said. I, I think, like, legitimately, might be one of it's. It's definitely in the top five films, like yeah. favorite films of all time for me. Now mm -hmm. I have seen that film, I, I think, four times over mm -hmm. the 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 run of this podcast. I, yeah. I, I saw I saw it one night, then the next night, and then saw it again. And I think I've probably seen it three or four times um, mm. just within a short span. And each time I'm just, it's so fucking phenomenally good. And the performances of Julia Louis-Dreyfus and um, uh, uh, Gandolfini, mm -hmm. so good and so good together and so believable as this, this great couple together. And then how she just fucks it up. Yeah. And, but uh, to your point, I think Please Give definitely explores and more cringeworthy and nuanced detail about there's a lot of, about how what you said like how people can be lovely and mean to each other yes um that like, well and the explorations of liberal guilt and how that can be something that mm -hmm. that can also be just as um destructive. as blindingly yeah. destructive yeah just the the you know mm -hmm. yeah I yeah I I agree. Uh, that's that's why please give is like top three for me. Yeah, uh, because I I just I it's I I just remember being so I didn't expect to be so moved by it. Yeah, and 
it's just a beautiful movie. I, I almost want to switch. Can you ever forgive me and please give um, from two, three, three, two. But I, I just you really, really loved. Can you ever forgive me? I did because I. I love that ending. I, I think it's a great film. I, I I do. It's just there's, and I think it's a phenom- I think they're phenomenal for performances from, uh, you know McCarthy and 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 Grant. Um, it's just, you know, by the time we got to that, I'm like, this is great, but I want back to my relationship stories from Hall of Center. You know, so I, that's what I, and that's why enough said is like. It's finally like she got the formula right. Mm-hmm. Like, like please give and please give and enough Sarah like peak writer director yes. for her. Yeah. Whereas like, can you forgive me? Just affected me on a writing art. You know, it affected me also on like a personal level. Like seeing seeing the character go from getting lost in a character to being the character. Right. That's something I deal with like all the time. And it's like as someone who eventually maybe wants to write fiction Mm. and it's hard not to be like inspired by that a little bit, even though like definitely not going the same way about it. Right. So that's why, and just the joy and fun I had in watching her get lost them get lost in the scheme that you know getting lost in these people like the null coward you know mm-hmm. being like null coward and then like fucking up like yeah royally like yeah um no I, it's interesting how because it also shows a lot of a lot of hubris if you will as well because she ends up just being so enamored with how with her own cleverness yeah like, I mean, and that's what ends up tripping her up too. Is mm-hmm. that she's like, "Look, you know, I I'm really incredible at doing this," you know, mm-hmm. and then missing some of what she needed to be paying attention to. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very hum. And then she finally finds herself when she's like, when she's hit bottom, mm-hmm. like, and has to like wear the belt and serve jail time. And I. I just found it beautiful, like how she got herself out of the rut she was in by being lost in other people, and then losing sight of what made her such a good writer in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, so I I, I want to say I, I think that this is probably of these kind of you know miniseries, if you will, or, or or like focused runs on people's work that we've done, which you know really in this kind of depth, it's only been Hall of Center and and Scott, but you know, we, we, we did this, um, Scott Frank, but, um, you know, we kind of did this exploring Beck's work. We kind of did this, you know, with, um, you know, with, 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 with a couple of themes, but this, this has been a blast for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I so thoroughly enjoyed with the one exception of every secret thing. Um, this ride, this run of films, watching Mm -hmm. these films, really getting lost in Hall of Center's work and her arc as a filmmaker. Um, and I, I hope, you know, this is something where I hope that people, if they did not watch the films along with us, then that you go back and explore these films. These, these are really, we spend a lot of time, especially in the written and directed by films, 
talking about how there's a lack of this sort of film today. Yep. And it was so enjoyable to go back and, and really dig into this. Um, and it, it really, there's a lot of this too that reignited my passion for going to seek out the, the lesser known films, you know, the, mm-hmm. the art house films, the things that are, are not as big and flashy. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. So, so you want to go see Black Adam today? Oh, dear God. I don't think you could pay me enough to go see Black Adam. Heck yeah. <laughs> Let alone have me go plunk down hard-earned cash for it. Um, no, so this, this kind of brings us to, we, we are done with Hall of Center now, though. The, HC, the book on the HCU is closed. Well, when I, I assume, Nicole, if you're listening, mm-hmm. which, why wouldn't you be? Sure, yes. Um uh, if we would you happy to do a, a wrap up with you personally? <laughs> well, and we will reopen it once Beth and Don is released. Oh God, I can't wait. Um, yeah. Oh, I am looking forward to that. There's it, the release is still to be announced. It's still filming, so we'll we'll see. I just hope it gets a theatrical release, um, and that I don't have to reopen a Netflix account for it. But this brings us to. What do you want to do next? Well, I'm looking here at the at the uh, at the Hulu Studios here in beautiful Central North Central Phoenix, mm-hmm. and I'm looking straight at this Jonathan Richmond poster. Oh no, 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 no! We can't do Jonathan Richmond. Have you have you have you looked at the Jonathan Richmond? I love Jonathan Richmond's work. Have you looked to see how long his discography is? No, I haven't. It's long. Is it long. The man has put out a ton of albums. We will be talking Jonathan Richmond, you know, for a year, <laughs> at least. Huh. I, 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 fuck. I, that would be a hell of a ride. And well, there's there's a lot in there. There's well, a can't lot do... of greatness in there too, especially if we start with the Modern Lovers. But we'd have to. Uh, yeah, I mean, rope, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, stop and shop. I, I hate to discourage you from it, but that's a that's a lot of albums to 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 to, to, to discuss. In the words of Sparks, I wish you were fun. <laughs> I, I I I in the in the you know the discography of Sparks. I, I'm pretty sure that Richmond has even more albums than Sparks does. That's amazing because that's what Sparks is 26 now. If you count on that. Yeah, something like that. A 50-year career. Have you heard their new song with um, Rundgren, uh, Fandango? I haven't listened to it yet, no. It's fine. Is it fine? It's fine. I'm not a huge Rundgren fan. Uh, I could take or leave him. I like his... (laughs) I, I I love his production work. I like his 70s output. There's something, anything, obviously... You like how much uh, Andy Partridge hates him? <laughs> I like how much Andy Partridge hates him. <laughs> so, I mean... You want to talk to someone with a lack of hubris, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No, he thinks he's king shit. Yeah. And everyone should bow down and lick his boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's that's the only reason I would discourage from, from picking Richmond as our next subject. It's the same reason why I will probably never... You know, I, w- I would I would need to start up an entirely new podcast to go over 
Elvis Costello's discography. Well, because let's, let's do this. It's similarly long and varied. I got because I want to do records. Okay. And I kind of want to do something I've wanted to explore for a long time. Richmond being one of them. Sure. But maybe we should do Jeff, Jeff Twee's side projects. Uh, your um, so you're talking like Golden Smog? Yeah. Are we talking his work with the minus five? Yeah. Are we talking about like Tweedy Loose Fur? Loose Fur. Okay, the the Tweedy album. Are we talking his solo work? Yes, his solo work as well. Okay, because he's got like what three, four albums as a solo artist. All right. Well, well, I'm I'm certainly down for that. I would be. You know, Tweedy is one of my all time favorites. Mm-hmm. So we would not be talking Wilco. We would be talking. Basically, Wilco Plus. Yeah, we're talking Wilco Plus. We're talking the bonus Wilco. We're talking the about... The extracurricular work of... Yeah, you're talking about what you pay $5 extra on a podcast um, type stuff. Okay. I... I Interesting. I will Because we'll I've have wanted to... to get into loose... I've wanted to... I've wanted to take a deep dive into loose for... I want to explore his solo work more. That means even the Chelsea Walls. Oh, dude, I fucking love soundtrack. the Chelsea Walls soundtrack. Yeah. I okay. I'm down for this. I'm excited about this. So because I don't want because I don't want to do um, Sunvolt obviously because that's or not Sunvolt but I don't want to do Uncle Tupelo. No, no. So I mean, yeah, yeah that's that we're talking when I say like Wilco Plus. This is since his his um, basically since all of all of his up. yeah all of his work outside of Wilco has been. Other than Tupelo has been post Tupelo, yeah. So, yeah. I, here's here's what I propose. Then mm-hmm. um, I am happy to do the work to compile the list of albums that we would need to do. Mm-hmm. We will do them in chronological. Yep. Um, those minus five albums that he's on fucking slap. Okay. Um, do we? Are we going to limit it to? So we're not going to talk like his production side work. No, no, no. Okay, so not like his. We um, never. We Joan we, Shelley. Uh, his low album. Low, uh, Richard Thompson. The um, who am I forgetting? Mavis Staples stuff. Yeah. Um, we. You want to talk about a year? We'd be here for a year. We, we, yeah, he's done a lot of production work in the last decade. I would say. Okay. All right. So, I will compile the list of albums that we'll need to discuss. Okay. And and help plan that out, and that will be fun for us and at least one other person. <laughs> I'm I'm dying to. It's something I have thought about. Other than Richmond, sure. I, it's something I have thought about doing, getting into for a long time, but I've never had the, the drive to do it. Well, we're gonna do it here yeah. on Mental Platypus, and um. I think it's something that I, I've wanted to do for Is a while. Is the name of the miniseries getting Twee with Tweety? Of course. <laughs> it's good. It's good. We could also... Jeff Plapus. We, we could also talk, uh, you know, yeah. Um, mental Twee. Um, mental Tweety, sure. Uh, I was thinking... Um, oh, oh, man. What was I thinking with, with how we could... Oh, getting Tweety with it? Um, I there you go, <laughs> you did. All right, you did. Getting Tweety with it. No 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 no. Getting Tweety with it. Oh man, <laughs> I was I was in therapy yesterday <laughs> and talking to my doctor, mm-hmm. and I um. 
I dropped a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reference when it's one wow. thing. It's like, much like, much like the Fresh Prince, I found my life had been flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> Jeez. So, so do and, we... and she laughed and, and, uh, and, uh, um, well, that's good. Yeah. Do we, do we want to quickly, because we're hitting the, we're hitting the two hour mark here. Do we want to wrap up with the joint recommendation? Yeah, we got, yeah, there's no way around this. We got, we, we, I, we can't talk tar too much without spoiling it. But yeah, we can't. Fuck we, that film is phenomenal. Yeah. We can't talk. Like I, my enjoyment of the film benefited from going in knowing it as little as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. I, if, if you, well, and I think it's also, you know, don't wait until it's streaming. It is something that needs to be experienced. It needs to be heard. It, yeah. The, the full, I mean, Todd Phillips, not Phillips, Todd field, Todd field, Todd field. Phillips does Who's Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips is the Joker. Oh, is the oh yeah. Let's not make that mistake. You have got two Todd's on the opposite side of the spectrum. Very, very different. He's his filmography is small, mm-hmm. but he has made a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, yep. like, and I think, and I think the re- and we've discussed we discussed this on the way home last week. The reason why his filmography to be clear, is we don't live together. <laughs> but if we did. <laughs> Laverne and fucking Shirley. I would think more of the odd couple, probably. <laughs> it took me it took me three notes to figure out the F unit, Felix Unger. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that film is so good. I, I that's my favorite line. It's so like it's a PG movie, but that line almost puts it into our territory. <laughs> you know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that's, I mean, Kate Blanchett, fucking phenomenal. If she does not get an Oscar for this, I will fucking riot. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see, I don't foresee, I mean, Joey Comer isn't eligible this year. Mm-hmm. So it, it has to be Blanchett. Um, but I think because in the last, between, as we were discussing on the way home from the movie, mm-hmm. in the 16 years between little children and this, Todd Phillips has had a lot of... Well, now you did it. Todd, Todd Field. Field. Because of you. <laughs> Todd Field has has tried to do like find a project, and for some reason or another, it just doesn't happen because of the changing industry. And I don't know, somehow, of all the movies... He got this one made. Um, that is amazing. A two and a half hour movie. Which does not feel like two and a half hours, by no, the way. No, it does not. We want to talk about something. I mean, The Last Duel felt every one of its, you know, minutes of runtime. Say you, but I yeah, it says says the, I for sure. But I did not I mean 158 minutes for Tar, and I could have watched 158 minutes more, possibly. Probably not. I, I exaggerate. But yeah. It is it it does not feel at all its running time. No, it doesn't. And the only reason why I even felt it was because my my Apple Watch reminds me every hour that I have to stand. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh shit! I'm like, and so I busted again. I'm like, going, oh shit! Mm-hmm. We've been here for two hours, and this movie's not even remotely close to being done. And that's okay. <laughs> I I just um, yeah. God damn. <laughs> There's, I, 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 I think, 
Um, it's this film, and what's the other one? Is it called Memoria? Oh, but uh, while you're looking that up, I, I just Kate Blanc. Like it's a movie that shouldn't on paper does not look like anything that would even remotely appeal, even on the specialty label side. It has, yeah, it has a classical music soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um. It's about. It takes place in the world class community. This is something for East Coast elites, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have M. Gopnik in the beginning of the movie. It's an East Coast elite movie, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't. I just and as I, I think it's just brilliant and. That I'm no classical music expert, but I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. It's mm-hmm. a slow build, but the rewards it gives you—it's brilliantly paced. It's, yeah, it's a stunning film to look at. Um, the the politics of, uh, of 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 you know like a, a philharmonic basically is is interesting, mm-hmm. which I didn't think that would ever be interesting. Have you ever seen Mozart in the Jungle? No. Check that out because I'm surprised that delves comedically into the politics of mm-hmm. um, of um, Philharmonics. Really, and it's it's surprisingly complicated. It is called Memoria. I was right. Uh, which Tilda Swinton is is I think similarly fantastic in. Um, Blanchett's performance in this is much bigger or gets much bigger mm-hmm. than than. Uh, when who ends up whose performance is very quiet, but uh, yeah, it, it's another one of those films that when you go see it, it's like this is why there is film, and yeah. this is why this sort of film has to continue to get made outside of all of the IP and blockbuster franchises and all that kind of thing. Like this kind of thing is important. It's important, at, you know, from a cinematic achievement standpoint. It's important from an actor study standpoint. It's important from, you know, a, a comment on the world. Yes, just holy fuck, is it brilliant? And I was going to ask you too, like someone who's now recently gone through Kubrick's filmography. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker, mm-hmm. Todd Field. Yes, not Phillips. Field. <laughs> and a motherfucking Kubrick movie for what? 20 minute stops. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm only up, you know, I've seen Eyes Wide Shut, of course, but I'm only up through Barry Lyndon in my, in but my w- Kubrick filmography. But yeah. I, I, would you not argue that this is like, this is a very, it, it, of, you know, so, yes, certainly this puts Field in the running for the most Kubrickian filmmaker of our time. Yeah. Like, is the, mo- is, I mean, AI had the benefit of being ruined by Kubrick by and by but being co-written by Kubrick and being done by one of his mentees sure Spielberg yes but this is like literally the dude's like in Eyes Wide Shut for 20 minutes tops and he makes the most Kubrick Kubrick movie yeah and it's just really on every level yeah I, I just in the bedroom and little children do not even remotely indicate that, that he's he, capable of that this? he was capable of something like this and the fact that he did it, mm-hmm. I mean, says there's 16 years not making, like, not getting a project off the ground mm-hmm. were at least well spent. It was worth the wait. It's it's basically, it's a two hour and 40 minute mic drop. 
Oh God, yes. <laughs> it's it is absolutely phenomenal. So go see it. That's our joint recommendation for this episode. Tar, 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 tar. Yeah. So the accent doesn't mean shit. Or well, I mean, it's a it, joke. It, it, it does. Oh, okay. Well, I, the accent's a joke. Mm-hmm. Like the, the accent on the a. The, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 an in joke. It's just it's that's how brilliant and sharp, like that cut. Like seriously, this movie is like cuts. Mm-hmm. It cuts deep, like just how it swipes at highbrow. Well, I mean, there, for for a film of this type, the the amount of oh shit moments in there, mm-hmm. it's it's just it's it's incredible. It's a gripping film. It, it's. I yeah I, I I at this point it anything I say is just uh, unabashed masturbatory gushing. Yeah, I I could sit here and masturbatory gush all you know for the next twenty more minutes, but we got shit to do today. <laughs> all right, man. I think that's a good place to. And after you know, the with, movie, with, you know, and after talking about you know this mo- you know the last duel for two hours. <laughs> Well, to I'm be fair, really we only spent about an hour talking about the last tool. <laughs> the rest of it, yeah. Anyhow, that's the show. That's it. That's Mental Platypus. That's the HCU. We're, we're, we're going to be getting Tweety with it. <laughs> Starting with the next episode. Um, and if you uh, want to subscribe to Patreon, and for those... Existing subscribers, we do have uh, another bonus episode still coming this month, um, and it may or may not be a Hornby. Um, we'll, we'll get back to that at some point. But thank you for listening, and we'll uh, uh, yeah, take it easy, Platypeeps. Peeps.